the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Al Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. How are all my friends on this beautiful Saturday, October 5th, uh, 2019, and the year is just flashing by. Uh, we've got a real good program today for you, my friends. I've got um, two very, very, well, three of them, three very good uh, guests. Uh, first of all, we've got Tom Homan, and Tom is the gentleman who is the former ICE director uh, who has taken the Democrats in Congress, the House Democrats, to task several times. Most recently, he took uh, the congresswoman uh, from Illinois, uh, uh uh, Pygia or something like that. I cannot remember her name, but he took her to, I mean, just raked her over. Uh, you know, he is one of our, he is my hero. I mean, I have had, uh, I've had a lot of folks, I've known a lot of folks who are very, very outspoken, but uh, this guy, this guy is wonderful. I really, really can't say enough good things about him. He stands his ground and he speaks the truth. And uh, Tom, uh, has uh, has defended the men and women of uh, law enforcement and immigration tremendously. Not to mention that he's men- that he has uh, he has stood steadfastly on the whole idea of uh, of of keeping uh, control of the uh, of, of keeping control of the borders. I mean, my gosh, what a what a uh, what a novel idea of controlling our border. So you're going to hear from Tom. Uh, in a while. Also, also, I've got another special guest, Mr. Theo Wald, uh, who is a White House assistant to President Trump in domestic policy. Uh, Theo is uh, is a breath of fresh air. I really can't say enough good things about Theo. He uh, he really gets it when we talked uh, about the issue of uh, the slippery slope of allowing certain groups to do this and certain groups to do that. It was amazing because uh, I, he gets it. He gets it. I mean, once you're on the slippery slope of categorizing this group or that group and allowing this group to do that and this group to do that and applying this, uh, uh, you know, these restrictions here, but not over there, uh, you're, you know, you're creating problems for, for, for the law, my friends. The law is not being applied equally and uh theo is fantastic i i I just can't he is a breath of fresh air in the white house uh also finally we've got uh, dave ray dave ray uh from the uh, federation for american immigration reform fair they're the ones that sponsored this uh this uh conference that i attended yet last week with all of these uh folks from immigration all of these immigration experts and uh, authorities and uh, officials and a ton, a ton of folks uh, who are in broadcasting from across the country, from as far away as Honolulu, uh, who specialize in the issue of uh, conservative, the conservative opinions regarding illegal immigration, my friends. It was great to rub shoulders with all the, to, to rub elbows with all of these folks, my friends. Uh, we stood shoulder to shoulder also with sheriffs. And with uh, angel parents, sheriffs from across the country also, who were there to uh, support the idea of, uh, of uh, immigration law enforcement, uh, who oppose uh, sanctuary cities and sanctuary communities. We were also there with angel parents. These are folks, my friends, who have tragically lost uh, loved ones. These are folks who have lost lo- loved ones to illegal alien criminals. And, uh, well, in some cases, they're not even criminals. They're just illegal aliens who got drunk and uh, smashed into a car or ran over somebody. 
So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I just always say that they've, you know, they, they have been victimized by illegal aliens. And uh, these angel parents are, are, are such are such uh, strong people. Uh, we keep hearing constantly from the Democrats about um, the poor children in in in, uh, in cages and the separation of families. Well, I got news for you, my friends. What about the poor Americans who have been separated from their loved ones permanently because of a death, because they were murdered, because they were killed? What about the Americans, not in cages, but the ones that are in coffins? What about those? I, you know, I find it obscene and, and ridiculous for these folks to, uh, uh, for these Democrats to carry on the way they do. So anyway, carrying, uh, uh, continuing, let's, uh, let's go to some quick uh, news updates before we go to our first uh, interview. Um, quick update, uh, New York, uh, there was an article that I found very, very interesting in the New York Times, uh, a sympathy article, as I call it, um, regarding the uh, issue of the asylum seekers that are getting tired of waiting in Mexico for their hearings. Now, these are the folks uh, that thanks to the, uh, the thanks to the new policy of uh, of having to wait in, in a uh, in a third country, uh, the first country that they arrived to in. Uh, a lot of these uh, folks that are seeking asylum, instead of coming to the United States and being released, they are now having to wait in Mexico. And according to the article, they are suffering in Mexico. This reporter, Caitlin Dickerson, uh, she spins her uh, her report by writing that, get this, thousands of Central American migrants, migrants, get that word, migrants, thousands of Central American illegal aliens are gathered in the Mexican uh, border cities, blocked from seeking asylum in the United States. They are not blocked from seeking asylum in the United States. They are not, Caitlin. They are blocked from entering the country. That's what they're blocked at. They have applied for, for, for asylum, and they are allowed to uh, apply for asylum. They're just not allowed to come into the country and then disappear like they have been in the past. But see, this is, again, this is the New York Times doing its magic. She, called, she talks about the personal suffering and the sad tragedy of these, uh, of these illegal aliens. You know, and, and again, it's a, it's a human rights thing for them. Uh, also, also in another news item, I mean, th- this is incredible. This is just shocking. Um, the mayor of Chicago, the mayor of Chicago has forbidden the Chicago police has forbidden them from assisting immigration officers whenever they are uh, uh, doing a roundup. You know, this, my friends, is going to do nothing more than endanger the immigration officers. It's going to endanger the police. And ultimately, it's going to endanger the, the citizens of Chicago because you're going to have a lot of illegal alien criminals that are going to get away. There are, and isn't Chicago already plagued with enough uh, problems? I, I really, my friends, aren't they plagued with enough problems? Then, you know, as if to put a, a, an emphasis on this situation, in the in uh, there were criminal several criminal arrests in New York in New York City area, as well as in the Midwest. Uh, while some of these local governments continue to protect these illegal alien criminals from preventing. Um, or by preventing, rather, the police from cooperating, the local police from cooperating with the uh, ICE agents, the arrests in other communities is showing the extent of the problem. Sanctuary governments endanger citizens and law enforcement uh, uh, officers with their liberal leftist politics. Ninety-seven, ninety-seven criminal aliens were arrested in the Midwest, and 82 were picked up in the New York City area, metro area. 97, 97 in the Midwest, 82 in the New York City area. Now, I guarantee, my friends, uh, again, these are criminal aliens, my friends. These are criminal aliens. These are not, these are not just illegal aliens that are living quiet, good lives. No, these are criminals, criminal aliens, which in my opinion sometimes is an oxymoron because as far as I'm concerned, all illegal aliens are criminals. They're all, all of them are. Then there's this whole issue of uh, uh, of uh, the ACLU uh, again getting back to the situation of illegal aliens or the or the asylum seekers sitting in Mexico waiting for um, waiting waiting for their turn for their hearing before they can enter the United States. The ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, 
has filed a lawsuit. They filed a lawsuit this past Thursday alleging that the thousands of migrant children and parents were uh, they have suffered damages because of the family separation policy. Uh, NBC, uh, liberal fake news NBC, put together this emotional report that claims that several parents have tried to kill themselves, in, uh, including one that actually did, did die by suicide because they are so depressed. Once again, my friends, it's the liberal news media working. It's uh, uh, it, it, they're working with leftist organizations to blame America for protecting its borders and for trying to sort out immigrants, illegal aliens from regular immigrants, from people that truly are seeking asylum. NBC calls this policy tragic and inhumane, while the ACLU, it claims that it violates, of course, it violates human rights in the Constitution. I don't know how, how the Constitution can be stretched to include uh, an illegal alien, somebody that's not even a citizen. So anyway, the, the, the lawsuit was, uh, was filed uh, by the ACLU last Thursday. Uh, the ACLU says that these refugees, that's what they call them, these refugees are seeking uh, damages. Now, you know, you know what that means. They're seeking damages. That means they're seeking big money for the families that have been separated uh, from from 2017 to the present. It's amazing how they put, you know, how, how they how they can come up with that year 2017. Why don't they include the years that they were separated from uh, uh, when they were during during the Obama administration? Why don't they include that year? Because they're fakes. They're phonies. That's what it is. Because they're anti-American. I don't know how much how how uh, otherwise to put it. They are anti-American. Finally, there's a program, there's a radio program, a public radio program in, in New York called Takeaway. And uh, the reporter, again, is, has gone down to, uh, to Mexico and covered these families that are suffering, 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 suffering. You know, folks, I am really tired of public broadcasting. I'm tired of public radio. I'm tired of public TV. I really am. That is my money. That is your money that goes into public broadcasting. And it goes into public broadcasting so they can put together these programs like Takeaway, that's what it's called, where they spin, they spin and do sympathy project, uh, sympathy programming, sympathy reports for illegal aliens. I mean, you know, they are suffering. Do they, uh, do they understand that they are suffering because they paid coyotes, because they paid smugglers to get up to the, to the border? Now, because they cannot cross into the border to disappear like they have been in the past, now they're upset. You know, some of them, some of them, uh, the reporter says, well, some of them are returning to Nicaragua and Salvador. Well, good, good. They shouldn't have left in the first place. Get, tell you what, why don't you fix your own nation first? And then you can come up here and, and tell us what to do with our nation. Ah, it's just, just incredible. All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and take our first break, and then we'll be right back. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start with Mr. Dave Ray uh, from FAIR, and he's going to tell us what the, um, he's gonna tell, tell, tell us what the uh, uh, conference that uh, we, were, we were at, uh, what it was all about uh, regarding the uh, radio row and hold their feet to the fire, it was called, holding their feet to the fire. My friends, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Deep in the heart of South Texas. Tell, call your friends. Tell them. Tell them uh, about our show. Uh, we'll be right back, my friends. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Hello. 
Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, welcome back. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And uh, our first guest is Mr. Dave Ray with the, the, um, Federation, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR. And uh, Ray's going to chat with us, uh, or he's going to uh, tell us about this conference a very, very interesting conference that occurred in Washington, D.C. last week. It included over 70 uh, radio hosts from across the nation, from as far away as Hawaii and from as close by to Washington as the Washington suburbs. And it included also yours truly. Um, and uh, he's going to chat. He's going to explain to us what the point point was, uh, what the uh, what the objective was in this whole exercise, because we had a ton of folks. My hand friends, we had a lot of immigration experts. We had uh, folks from the White House po- uh, immigration policy uh, 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 offices. We had folks from um, ICE. We had folks from uh, uh, Homeland Security. We had Border Patrol agents. I mean, it was incredible. We also had some folks who are uh, sheriffs and and, uh, and uh, angel families. So without uh, much more uh, to say, let's go to, um, to our interview with Mr. Dave Ray. Once again, George Rodriguez here at the FAIR Conference. And uh, we have Dave Ray, Communications Director for the Federation for American Immigration Reform. And uh, we wanted to chat with Dave. First of all, uh, tell us about this conference uh, and um, uh, a little bit about FAIR and uh, the issues that, uh, that, you, that you deal with. Hey, George. Uh, great to be with you again, my friend. Well, uh, FAIR is the nation's oldest and largest immigration uh, reform organization. We were founded actually actually 40 years ago this year and have been fighting uh, to put common sense back into our legal immigration system and to crack down on the illegal immigration. We have 2,000 members and supporters across the country and you can find us on the web at fairus.org. This is our annual event, Hold Their Feet to the Fire. It's an annual talk radio row. This one is uh, for the record books, however. This is the largest talk radio row in U.S. history, to the best of our knowledge. I've not yet found anybody who can match our numbers. I mean, I've heard of the political conventions having as many as 25 or 30 talk radio hosts, but this year's Hold Their Feet to the Fire, we have 71 hosts uh, from as close as the suburbs of Washington and from as far away as Honolulu, Hawaii. 112 guests representing the entire gamut of the immigration reform debate from Border Patrol and ICE and Department of Homeland Security to victims advocates, angel families, uh, border ranchers who you know, for generations have been dealing with this issue. Just about everyone who's anyone in the immigration debate we, is coming here. Many members of Congress, policy wonks, national security experts, terrorism experts and for two solid days starting at 6 a.m. because broadcasters go all day from 6 a.m. to about 9 p.m. we are talking immigration. It's uh, quite the uh, quite the event and we are very proud of it and uh, so it's just been uh, very successful so far and we have a lot of people with big smiles on their faces so I think the broadcasters are happy. We certainly are. I mean, I certainly have, uh, have, have had a good time. Uh, what uh, issues do you think? Uh, I mean, what, what, what's the goal that, that, that you think that we should we should be shooting for here at this conference? Well, I mean, the, the whole idea behind hold their feet to the fire was always intended. I mean, Fair is a is a charity nonprofit organization. Our our thrust is public education, and you know the public uh, is squarely behind us on the immigration issue, which is why if you try to debate the open borders lobby, all you're going to get back is name-calling from them, because they don't have any arguments to support why an open border would be a good idea. Uh, but, but the whole thrust of this has been to, to get you know America's eyes and ears, which is talk radio, to bring talk radio to Washington, D.C., and to talk to members of Congress and get the experts together and hold Congress accountable for the promises that they've 
made. I mean, here you have a, a great example, President Trump, uh, who ha has done an outstanding job on trying to uh, live up to his many promises to the American public, uh, and it's been an uphill battle for him because he's had no help from our very own Congress. In fact, I'd be willing to say, you know, Paul Ryan single-handedly, uh, you know, rode the train off the tracks the first two years of the Trump administration and, and, and prevented anything meaningful coming out of the Republican Congress, except there were uh, uh, two bills that were aimed at sanctuary cities, but there were such significant changes to asylum laws that needed to be made, and Paul Ryan basically bailed on that. Uh, but we're here again talking about uh, uh, you know, the need to restore order to the border, to uh, continue to close these loopholes in our asylum laws, work with our neighbor countries to try to develop agreements like we've recently done with El Salvador, we've done with Guatemala, we've done with uh, our Mexico. And you know, President Trump coming into this has the perspective of a businessman, and that's really something we haven't had in the White House in a long time. And he understood clearly uh, that Mexico sees us, and we are their most desirable market. We're their best export market, their major export market. That gives us a lot of sway in Mexico and that the value of uh, the, the, the exports that they send us, that we can use that as leverage. And President Trump did that very well in, in nudging the Mexican government to, to step up their efforts on their southern border. That's where really most of this problem is coming from. And they've done it. Apparently, they've made great strides. I mean, you know, uh, time will tell. But just for an example, apprehensions along the southwestern border in May were 144,000. Uh, by August, they were down in the 50,000s. So that's an enormous, you know, about a, a two-thirds reduction. And it's it's due, I believe, to kind of the, the, the layering effect of all of these various changes, the closing, the closing of the Flores loophole that allowed that allowed anybody who arrived with the child to be released into the US you know now now those folks can be held for up to 60 days which will mean that uh, they can have their hearings while they're in detention facilities and if they're granted then they and their kids come into the United States otherwise they go home but these various agreements there's also uh, an agreement they worked out with the Mexican government uh, once again Mexico being very helpful in this it's called the migrant protection protocol if you're coming into the United States as for political asylum. You can be held in Mexico in a detention facility there until your hearing date arrives in the U.S. You get your hearing and you're either admitted or sent home. But once again, it, it keeps us from... Uh, allowing people who just walk into the country illegally uh, with a child in tow to be simply released and disappear into the interior. Now, I, I, you know, one of the things that I cannot help but, but notice, and um, I personally uh, reached out to uh, a couple of the Democrat congressmen from my area in San Antonio, to Castro, Joaquin Castro, and to um, uh, Cuellar. Uh, there are, I, I haven't seen any Democrat congressmen or elected officials here. No, I mean, that's a, a very good point. I'll tell you that when I first joined FAIR, George, and this was in the late 1980s, um, so I might look like I'm 29, but I'm not quite. Um, the uh, or immigration was very much a bipartisan issue. In fact, there was consensus on immigration as recently as Barack Obama's administration. I mean, if you look back uh, the uh, the Secure Fence Act of 2007 had support from Senator Obama, Senator Clinton, Senator Schumer. Um, where have the Democrats gone on immigration? Now they're the party of open borders and free health care for illegal immigrants. So in, in the old days, I think you had a lot of uh, Democrats who were kind of the union Democrats who were concerned about American jobs and fair wages and, and things like that who uh, were, were with fair on immigration. It's become very, very partisan. The Democrats are, uh, in my opinion, on a different planet than the rest of America on this issue. Uh, Jay Johnson. I mean, don't take my word. Jay Johnson, who was uh, an immigration enforcement official with the DHS under President Obama, said of the Democratic position on open borders, he says, it's untenable. We can't have open borders unless you want 
to incentivize illegal immigration. And he, you know, asked, do we really want to increase illegal immigration into this country? I think not. And most Americans don't want that. So. There's a, there is a canyon uh, uh, in the in the between the parties right now in the immigration debate, and so that's why uh, the attendance, at least this year, is fairly one-sided. Uh, in closing, what would you uh, like to share with the uh, audience uh, regarding uh, this event and regarding fair and what's going uh, regarding the issue? Well, you know, it's one thing about uh, our democracy here uh, is that. People want change, but change doesn't come quickly in a democracy. I mean, you take President Trump case in point. Here you have somebody who's had the strongest position on immigration in a hundred years, who promises to regain control of the borders. He ends up fighting his own party in Congress. I mean, change comes very slowly, even when the stars align. But I'm the eternal optimist. And it's events like Feet to the Fire that's been going on now for 13 years that has taken immigration, which, you know, you say it's a front burner or a back burner issue. I don't even think immigration was anywhere close to the stove. Uh, eventually it was on the back burner. Now it's on the front burner. In fact, when. Yeah, yeah, really. But when you uh, uh, poll Americans, you find that uh, when they named the, the, their. The issue of top concern, oftentimes immigration is number one. And so because of public awareness, because of talk radio, and because of the energy created by these uh, synergistic events like Feet to the Fire, we have moved the needle on the immigration debate, and we are having it discussed uh, by both the Democrats and the Republicans um, all the time. Gotcha. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with Dave Ray, the uh, communications director for uh, FAIR. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming, too. Okay, folks, once again, welcome back. George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM radio. Uh, our next guest is Mr. Theo Wald. And Theo is uh, with, uh, he is a special assistant, okay, get this. This is probably the highest ranking uh, government official I've ever had on my show. Uh, this is, uh, Theo is special assistant to the president, to the president, President Trump, for domestic policy specializing on Im in immigration issues. Uh, Theo is a breath of fresh air. I've already used that phrase uh, before. He truly is. Theo understands that, um, that once you start making exceptions to the rule, once you start making exceptions to uh, immigration laws, you're on a slippery slope, okay? And that's what's happened for so long in immigration law, my friends, is what we've made an exception for this group or for that group or for this group. And that's been a historical thing. I mean, you know, there were exceptions made for the Irish to keep them out. There were exceptions made for, for the Chinese to keep them out. There were exceptions uh, for bringing in slaves. <laughs> Definitely they didn't, bring, they didn't uh, keep them, them out. But, uh, you know, it, it, immigration in the United States has been has been a patchwork. Well, it's time to stop it. It's time to stop it. It's never too late. And it's time to stop it. And uh, that's um, that's, you know, one of the things that, that Theo is working on when we talk about it's time to stop it and it's time to apply it. What we need to do is a policy that favors America an America first policy. That's where we start. And then after that, anybody who is going to be favorable to the United States Somebody that's not going to be a welfare drag, somebody that's not going to want to assimilate, somebody who's not going to want to learn English, someone who is going to want to come in and cause trouble. Those folks we're going to screen out. And the folks that we're going to allow in are folks who are going to be positive for our, for our nation, for our society. That's the folks. And folks are going to, all folks have to enter through the front door. They have to enter through the front door. We, you know, the more simplified the process is, the better it is, my friends, the better it is. So uh, without further ado, let's go to our, in, to our uh, interview with, uh, with Theo Wald, 
special assistant to the white to uh, to President Trump in the White House for domestic policy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you. And uh, we're here at the FAIR conference, uh, and we have a very, very special guest with us. Uh, let, me, let me make sure that he, he gives you his, his uh, correct title. Uh, name and title, please. Uh, Theo Wold, I'm a special assistant to the president for policy in the Office of American Innovation. So Theo is uh, in the office, of, uh, in the White House itself. Theo, what brings you here uh, to this? Uh, event, uh, particularly since you're involved in policy uh, with regards to immigration. So I, I've been working on immigration since I came into the administration last January, and that includes everything from trafficking, smuggling, some of the executive orders, to now leading the team that's writing the president's uh, immigration reform proposal. So um, that was soft launched in May uh, earlier this year, and we've been sort of refining the product ever since. The, the main goal of the proposal is to codify in statute some of the, the tools the president has been using to address the, the border crisis, um, to reform our, our nation's asylum laws, and then to, to finally bring some, some common sense to our green card system so that when we say we have a pathway to legal immigration, it actually functions in a way where the American people have control and that we are protecting uh, American workers and their wages. Now, uh, there, it, it, these facets, these uh, uh, points that you raise, the, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about this, the, the green card issue, because uh, there are a lot of folks who are worried about um, you know, the, the uh, uh, job competition from, from foreigners. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so, so right now we have a system that was designed by Congress before we put a man on the moon. So, as you know, a lot of things have changed in the last 30, 40 years, including our economy, including uh, how competition occurs within our economy, and, and then uh, obviously uh, who's coming into our country for how long and from where. And one of the things over time that, that has happened is our non-immigrant visas, that's the temporary visas who, for people who want to come and study and work and then go home, that's become blurred with our green card system, which is permanent or indefinite uh, membership in, in our nation uh, and our political community. And what the president's proposal would say is we need to, to make that distinction very clear. People who come here temporarily need to be temporary. People who come here permanent, well, we need to make the rules of the road, our expectations as a people, clear. So, you know, having ability with our common language, having a job offer, um, having uh, some skills so you, so you can navigate a complex modern society like the United States, that's what most of our peers around the world are doing that we're competing with globally. That's what we need to be doing as well. So the green card system, in short, what I'd say is that's something that creates uh, sort of the cascade of problems throughout our system. You, you hear this all the time when people say, well, I had no other legal way of being in the United States, so I took my chances on a lottery. I took my chances on gaming out illegal presence, or I overstayed a visa because I just wanted a green card. So if we say if you fix the green card system, system you, you improve all those other uh, issues in the immigration system, but also, most importantly, you make clear what it means, the precious gift of U.S. citizenship, what that means in a modern context and why it's so important to lay the rules and the groundwork for that in a clear way. Now, uh, as I mentioned, I worked in the, uh, in the Reagan administration uh, with, with immigration and the uh, 1986 law, which my, in my opinion has been decimated. Uh, what about the enforcement aspects of it? Because those of us that live in Texas, you know, uh, are, uh, are extremely concerned uh, with regards to uh, enforcement of, of immigration law uh, when it comes to criminals, when it comes to uh, illegal immigration in total, in, in general. Yeah, so w one of the things I, I think is really important to remember is there was never a, a divine mind or a single hand that created our immigration system. It's just been bad policy after bad policy, really noble attempts to stop the bad policy, and then more regulation and then the intervention of activist judges interpreting our law poorly. So over the decades, we've been left with a system that really is at odds with itself. And we see that most clearly in, in terms of, of border security 
and interior enforcement, where there are very simple rules that law enforcement has been given, um, very simple tools, and then the interpretation by judges, immigration advocacy organizations just makes a mockery of, of the simplicity, it makes it impossible for those folks to do their jobs. So. One of the things that's novel about the president's approach to border security is rather than just throwing money or boots at the problem, and there are personnel shortages, there are funding shortages, which are most acutely felt on, in the border zone, but rather than just say it's a problem of boots and, and money, what we're saying instead is it's a legal problem. You've got to, to, to create a structure of law where you're disincentivizing gamemanship, where you're disincentivizing the control that the, the traffickers, the cartels have over our border and where you're giving uh, everyday local communities control over who's coming in to our country for how long and when they're leaving. One of the things that we see, um, that we have seen, is this idea that we somehow continue to reward, we excuse and reward illegal uh, immigration. You know, we excuse it that, you know, they're fleeing this, they're fleeing that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we uh, reward it by allowing them to stay, ignoring the uh, problem, etc., etc. Do you think that the, the policy plans that you guys have the, uh, will address that problem? Most certainly, and here's why. The president's proposal and the president anchors the, the whole concept of how he approaches not just immigration but all problems in the Constitution. Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, makes it clear that Congress is to create a, a, an orderly system of naturalization. Everything sort of flows from, from that principle. And, and one of those, those principles that we, we think is so important is, is to ensure that our laws aren't creating uh, these perverse incentives so that, that they're clear uh, and that the American people can then hold their members of Congress accountable for the enforcement of those laws. So if you, if you anchor it in a, in a principle, then you end up in a good place. The other thing I just say is uh, when you start the Constitution, you can see throughout our nation's history, whenever we create categorical exemptions to the law, we, we always talk about the rule of law, the rule of law, the rule of law. What does that mean? It means that all people are treated equally before the law. When you start to create categorical exemptions, well, this class of people won't have have to obey the law. We're just going to give a memo and we're going to say they'll be treated differently. Not only does it start to undermine the rule of law, long term it starts to create resentment. Right? It creates resentment and the people generally, even law abiding people start to say, well, why do I have to obey this other separate law because I can just wait for a categorical exemption for me and my family too. So what the president has said instead is this has never worked well for us, whether you're talking about in the Civil War, uh, you know, in the 1930s progressive era, whenever you create categorical exemptions for people from the rule of law, it's bad. So he says, start with the Constitution and make sure the law as written is simple and understandable, but then also make sure the law applies to everyone equally. Now, uh, the thing that comes to, to mind here at the end, let me, let me, let's conclude with this, is DACA. Because it seems to me like if there is a slippery slope and there has been an allowance, it has been DACA. And I really do feel personally that once DACA was introduced, that's why they started bringing all these kids, uh, you know, to, uh, to the U.S. Uh, is DACA included in this uh, policy approach that, uh, you know, that, w uh, that the law has got to be applied? So a couple of things I'll say real quickly. One, the president has made five separate offers to Democrats on resolving the DACA issue, and they've told him to go climb a rock every time. So the, the president is clear. He wanted to provide a solution. They, they just want to play political games, right? Two, um, this is really, this is the perfect example of what I was just speaking to, which is you create a categorical exemption. And, and one of the interesting things that's going to be tested in the Supreme Court litigation, and the Supreme Court has taken the DACA case, is Secretary Napolitano created DACA through a memo, not a regulation, not an act of Congress. It was just a memo. If you can make law through memo, it's not just dangerous for our immigration system, it's dangerous for the law and for all freedom-loving citizens throughout this country. And so as far as DACA's resolution ultimately goes, it's not a part of our plan. We have two pieces, border security and a reform to our legal immigration, our green card system. Um, but one thing you know is uh, the DACA cohort is very emotive. They're young people. They can point to a lot of examples where some of them have thrived, some of them have done well. But this is why we really can't make law based on emotion. We've got to make law based on what's best for all people living in this country. 
Uh, Theo, I don't know where he found you, but I am so impressed. I am so impressed. Thank you very much for sharing your time with us. Thanks for having me, Han. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. Our final guest is uh, a very special one, uh, someone that I've gotten to meet and I really, really respect. I mean, he's my hero now. Uh, Mr. Tom Homan, who is the uh, uh, former ICE director, uh, and uh, he is a civilian now, so he can, uh, as a private citizen, he can speak out, and he certainly has been doing. He has uh, raked the uh, Democrats in Congress over several times uh, for their ag- arrogance, for their nastiness towards uh, the, the the brave people that work at the border uh, for the ICE and, and Border Patrol agents. I mean, he has really, really uh, stood up strong and hard for, uh, for these folks, as well as uh, spoken very bluntly about... Um, the problems at the border and the problems with illegal immigration. I mean, uh, the man is uh, is really, really uh, someone who who speaks from the heart and speaks truth. So, uh, without further ado, let's go to our uh, interview uh, with uh, Tom Homan, uh, former ICE director uh, and uh, and hero and, and and just great man. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Actually, today I am in Washington, D.C. at the FAIR, uh, the Federation for, for American Immigration Reform Conference. And uh, I've got a very, very, very special guest, uh, someone who I'm sure everyone has been watch, has watched on, uh, on TV, has seen on TV recently. Uh, Mr. Tom Holman, the retired ICE director, and uh, I feel very, very privileged to have Tom here and um, and uh, have him chat with us a little bit about uh, the whole issue of uh, illegal immigration and uh, law enforcement. Because uh, as a former, not only as a former police officer, but as a former Border Patrol and and ICE agent, I mean the guy has has it all. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. I know how busy, busy, busy you are. Um, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit um, about. Um, uh, first of all, I, I, you know this whole situation of how people are viewing ICE. I know you're going to be doing a hearing tomorrow, but you know the detention centers, the uh, agents being called Nazis, concentration camps, all this sort of stuff. Give us the lay of the land. Give us the reality check. In fact, ICE has arrested and removed many Nazis throughout the decades. Uh, we have arrested and removed any, uh, lo- uh, hundreds of uh, people who are wanted for human rights violations all across the world. So we actually have a whole unit uh, dedicated to that very mission. So we arrest Nazis and we, re- we we send them home to face their consequences. Uh, you know, for people that want to call ICE agents Nazis and say we're in concentration camps, uh, it's a it's a purposeful and false narrative because. Our detention facilities have the highest detention standards in the industry. No one can compare. We got higher detention standards than any county, state, federal facility. Uh, matter of fact, taxpayers would be upset to know how much we spend on detention and the standards we have. Uh, so, first of all, so we treat illegal aliens in our custody better than any other facility treats U.S. citizens. Our detention facilities are beyond compare. No one can match them. And people that call them concentration camps have never been to one. 
go to our facility, then, then say the concentration camps. And to compare the concentration camps is just an insult of the worst because the Holocaust was a terrible, terrible thing that happened. And you cannot compare uh, our facilities to that. It's just, it's just, it's beyond the pale. Uh, the men and women of ICE who serve our country every day are patriots. They're enforcing laws Congress enacted. The same Congress that calls them Nazis, the same Congress want to abolish them. They fail to accept the fact that the, law, the, the men and women of ICE are enforcing laws they enacted. So if they're Nazis and racists for enforcing the law, What's that make Congress for creating and writing the law that they're enforcing, right? So, look, it's a false narrative. It's politics at its words. It's about seeing this president fail. Anybody that works in this administration is under attack. And I think it's going to blow up in their face. I think I think they're they're locking in a sure re-election for our president. Uh, you know, I grew up on, on the border, uh, and uh, I... I I've never been afraid of the border patrol. I am never. I'm not. I, I, I'm not exactly sure what that is all about. This situation where you've got folks like uh, Ocasio Cortez and and the others uh, carrying on about how uh, evil and how hard uh, these folks are, having worked at immigration, having worked alongside border patrol agents. Uh, what is the morale like uh, with with folks uh, out in the field right now? First of all, you're right on your comments because Border Patrol agents are mom and dads too. And to say that they, you know, purposely mistreat any family, any child, it's just, it's, it's, it's just disgusting. These Border Patrol agents come to work every day to do a job that they're not trained to do. I mean, they're coming, they're supposed to be patrolling the border, arresting bad guys. They're changing diapers. They're making formula. Uh, sick- See, I can't imagine that. I mean, it's incredible. Sickness, yeah, and the sickness is coming across the border. A lot of these border patrol agents take that sickness home to their own families. Many of these border patrol agents bring toys from their own children to the facilities so these children have toys to play with until they get to ORR custody. The men and women of ICE, I mean the border patrol, they're moms and dads, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. They didn't leave their heart on a shelf when they put the uniform on. So, and, and they see a lot of sad things. This whole thing is unfortunate. And this is something they, they, they're going to carry with them the rest of their life. So, first of all, the Border Patrol agents are, 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 won't be bullied and stop doing their job. But, of course, your morale is going to be affected. I mean, when, when they go through this and they're doing this difficult job during a very difficult time, but they got to pick up the newspaper and read that they're running concentration camps and they're Nazis and they're violating people's civil rights. When their families... Uh, are, are bullied at church and at school, they didn't sign up for that. Their families didn't sign up for that. And I know very much what that's like because when I was ice director, my family was threatened. We had to have around-the-clock protection because my son's life was threatened uh, several times. So it, it, their morale is under their morale is, is a concern for me, but not to the point where they don't want to stop doing their job. You're not going to bully them to stop doing their job, but instead of vilifying these men and women, we ought to be saying thank you because they're t- they're doing a job most Americans wouldn't do, and they're leaving the safety and security of their home every day and their family to strap a gun on their hip and defend this nation, put themselves in harm's way. And most border agents are ex-military, a majority of them, so they chose not only to serve their nation by joining the military, now they're continuing to serve their nation by protecting our borders and protecting the citizens of this country. So they're American heroes, and we ought to treat them as such. So, uh, what uh, you know? Uh, what do you think needs to happen? I mean, you've been you've been involved in immigration law enforcement, right? You know, for for a long time. I mean, obviously, Congress isn't going to get off their duff right now. Uh, it, it just is. It doesn't appear like they they've got it. Everything's got to be done from uh, executive order or by the executive. You know, and even even the courts get in the way. Uh, what do you think? What do you think as a as a as a former director? What do you think uh, needs to happen, or should happen, or could happen? Well, first of all, you're right. Congress has failed to act. They failed the American people on this for decades, and they know what they need to do. I I myself have been on the Hill many times. We've been on the Hill for the last two and a half years, talking about the three loopholes that are causing this crisis at the border. Easy fix. They can fix it all in one day, but they don't want to fix it. Do they want this to be a, a, a political issue? They want this. They want to be able to stay in the 2020 campaign and say the president failed on his number one campaign promise. So their desire to see this president fail is more important to them than securing the border. And I said it. I said it a year, 
year and a half ago when I retired that the Democratic leadership of this country hate this president more than they love their country. They hate this president more than they take responsibility to protect Americans. I don't care if Republican or Democrat, your number one responsibility is to protect this nation. And there's no downside on securing the border. There's no downside on less illegal immigration. There's no downside on less illegal narcotics. Look, there's enough opioids. I told you, I seized enough opioids last year to kill every man, woman, and child twice coming across that border. There's no downside in taking hands out of criminal, taking money out of the hands of the criminal cartels that are making millions. The same cartels that have murdered agents. So there's no downside. So why would Democrats push back on securing the border? There's only one reason. It's political. It's about power. It's about seeing this president fail. I remember. I remember the days uh, when when I was. Uh, with uh, Commissioner Nelson that, uh, you know, people used to run away <laughs> from the Border Patrol. <laughs> you know, I remember watching the games that were played down in San Isidro where they would run away and then come back and then run away. That's not happening now. Uh, do you think that, that people around the world have lost respect and fear of, uh, for our immigration laws? I think that, I think people that are taking advantage of the loopholes in immigration laws knows we have a, a weak government. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when the president first became president, border numbers were down to a forty-five year low that first year. But then they figured out they're not going to let the president build a wall. They're not going to give money to build a wall. They want to abolish ICE. <laughs> they want open borders. They want to give free medical care. They're, look, these aren't these aren't stupid people. And the cartels listen to what the Democrats are saying. Yeah. And when 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 they sell their product, they're getting somebody in the United States, they give them all that. Hey, they got sanctuary cities. I can get you a place. You can get arrested by the local police, and they still won't turn over the ice. Oh. Hey, they want to give free medical care in New York. Hey, they want to abolish ice. Hey, they're not. Going, they're going to fight the president on this wall, and that wall is is going up slower than they thought it was, and and they're not giving them the money. That in further entices more people to make this journey. And I'm telling you, the, the president's done some great things. The, the border numbers are down 56% from the high a few months ago. It's still a crisis. We're still way beyond the numbers where it should be. But the number's heading in the right direction because of everything the president's doing. Despite the Democrats keep throwing out more and more incentives and more and more reasons for people to make this trip. So I think that the immigrants know that our government's a joke. Uh, they certainly, resp- I think they respect the men and women of the border, so they respect law enforcement. I, I really do believe that, but they know it's broken, and yeah. they know that the system's broken. They know all they got to do is say a few magic words, and get released in the United States. Right. They know they don't have to go to court because they know no one's going to make them leave. Right. Uh, so the system's broken. They know it. Exactly. Tom, thank you very, very much. Uh, I, I have so much respect and admiration for you, buddy. I really, really do. Uh, I know that the rest of uh, America, uh, the real ones, <laughs> the real Americans, and I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, but that's how I feel. Uh, we really, really uh, thank you for you know standing up and for speaking out. So once again, uh, we've uh, been talking with uh, our, our our hero, uh, Tom Holman, from uh, the former ICE director here in, here in Washington. Thank you very much, Tom. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.